I did start. I thought I hadn't started. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the Easy PhD Team podcast with myself and Anna. Hi Anna. Hello. How are you? I am good, thank you. I think with restrictions easing here um, and the sun's been out the last few days, it's been really nice. Yeah, have you seen Emma in Scotland is getting a right <laughs> tan in her garden, exercising in her sports bra? I'm like, where are you living? She said, her I know, that's a bit brave. That's a bit brave. Yeah, she swears it's warm, but I'm walking outside and my fingers are going white with rain odds. I refuse to believe it can be that warm. <laughs> but every time I speak to her, I'm like, you look brown. Oh, that's just a Dundee tan. Ridiculous. Yeah, Ridiculous. no. No. How are you? <laughs> I am well, thank you. I'm having like I'm going through one of those spells where you just think, what even day is it? How is it Thursday? Every week I'm like, how is it Thursday? Um, but I'm good. Obviously, we skipped last week because my voice completely my voice was completely gone. I had to cancel quite a few podcasts. I was just I, well, I know March for me was super busy and then I, I was like right I'll take it chill in, in April but then for various reasons I didn't really manage to do that and then I thought and then yeah my friend was like I said I'll just do the podcast like no one will mind and my friend said no you sound like it was just annoying one I would listen to a podcast <laughs> like that and I was like okay fine I was a fan of the husk to be fair <laughs> <laughs> well me too I felt like Phoebe when she gets a cold and friend exactly exactly that was, that was basically me but apparently it was not suitable for podcasting <laughs> We had to skip one, so apologies for that. Um, what's ha- what's happening in the news this week in terms of fitness news? Um, obviously, over the weekend there was the news that uh, Nikki passed away. Yeah, that was really heavy. a lot of people. It, it touched home a bit with a lot of people. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's. I found yeah, I did. I found it really difficult. I cried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. it's like I I don't know about you but I'm not someone that would normally cry if someone I loved from TV had passed away in general I think like we've watched her fight this, her eating disorder since what 15-20 years something like mm-hmm. that I think yeah. something like that so it's so hard when you you just know that someone's fought it for so long and you can just and you know what that feels like just to be constantly fighting every day she she must have been fighting for so long and I just yeah it's it's so sad yeah so so sad it's a real shame and I've seen various um like videos and things since then of the support that's available for people with eating disorders and and there's there's somebody who she's a soap star I don't know what her name is and she runs a a eating disorder awareness eating disorder support group called I think it's seed I want to say it's called seed and I've never heard of it um, so I had a look and it's an eating disorder charity to help support those who can't get the support elsewhere. And mm. I, and of course, I know that it's quite challenging, but I always like to think that the support is there with it, with like within the UK, at least with the NHS. And, and, I, and I know that obviously Nikki was in um, private care that they, they start, um, did a GoFundMe for. And I just, I feel so sad that, we're at this place where people can still not get the support that they need yeah absolutely and part of me as well wondered if things might have been differently if covid hadn't have been a thing Mm. so i know there was um an interview with her mum i think that said and and we both know that 
exercise isn't the answer, but it helped her. It gave her, I think, purpose and a, and a reason to do stuff. And obviously when we know that it's not the right thing to do, but it meant that she would eat as well. Yeah. Yeah, because she did say, didn't she? She said something like, you know, the gym's closing for her was one of the, like, the triggers. And this is us not, this is certainly not saying that this is a reason why gym should have stayed open or anything like that. However, it, I agree, it's really sad to look at it, to, to hear that. Mm. And, you know, I've obviously been talking recently about the stats of emotional eating and how COVID has hit us. And we know that the research is there that says, yeah, there's been an increase in emotional eating, there's been an increase in binge eating. Um, and lots of negative impacts on people's relationship with food and I think this was just like a a really really stark reminder of that mm, um and then one of my old clients um who used to compete and we worked together and um, she used to binge eat and um she shared a video the next day on her Instagram page of her own journey through it and I just cried my eyes out all the way through and I really felt She's in a great place and obviously we don't work together anymore, but she, I just, it, it was, I, this is me centering myself and the stuff that we do, but it just really reminded me of, you know, when I feel sometimes, and I, you're, you'll probably get the same where you feel like you're moaning about the same stuff, like you're moaning about the, these stupid people who sell binge eating programs that are making it worse. We moan about like a horrible diet culture messaging and we talk about this stuff a lot and sometimes it can feel like you're just droning on all the time about the same stuff but this is just like this is why we do that this is why it matters and yes we don't work with people who have clinical eating disorders but we know that disordered eating is on that spectrum and people who are experienced disordered eating are more likely to slip into that realm and I think again it's yeah it was just really a reminder of the importance of the work that good practitioners do in this space but also made me really really grateful for everyone that's doing the work now on their health and especially in the last year the people that have really put the effort in to support their health because it's been really really tough and tra like challenging for for people and yeah it was really it was hard to see it and it was hard again to, to see you go back onto Instagram the next day and it's just filled with crap again yeah back to normal yeah and as much as we obviously love instagram for a lot of good things it's just yeah it's hard it, it was rough mm. for yeah. sure um but all we can do is keep doing better right absolutely absolutely okay so let's get on to the questions um let's hold on I've got a, I've got um, a long one here, so I'm just gonna I'm just reading over it. Um, okay, completely new topic for a while actually. Is measuring by eye or from using particular cooking equipment such as bowls and pans still a form of a food rule? I don't weigh or measure anything anymore, but I always use the same thing for each food item. So vegetables in a pan, I always have to put them in a certain order, um, or cereal in the same bowl for example um, and I would feel anxious if I had to go somewhere else if I wasn't using the same things so that's a, that's the first part of the question I think you'll you'll have a great answer for this question I was like nodding away like. <laughs> I didn't even see you nodding actually but I just know I just think that you will um, 
I think she has answered it in a in herself in that if they were taken away, she'd feel anxious. And so, yes, clearly you've come a long way in the fact that you're not weighing and not tracking, but the fact that those feelings are there if things were to change, you need to challenge them, mix things up, do things in a different order, eat out of a different bowl and get comfortable with doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually that is something that we spoke about after that. So obviously I do completely agree. And you've obviously hit the nail on the head. If, if, if there's some anxiety around something that you're doing with your food or your exercise, then that's something, that's a, that's a signpost from your body that says, let's work on this. And I think something I, what was I listening to? Was it actually on the Emotional Eating Workshop when Joe was talking about, it? I think it was, um, when often, when we have disordered eating habits, we associate a feeling in our body with food and it's like our go-to association. So if we feel, for example, stressed, it's like we, our, we start to treat, our, our body starts to treat the stress as a signal to eat as opposed to hunger. And I think we can kind of use that analogy in this sense. If your body feels, if you feel anxious about these things, rather than use it as a message to control what you're doing, use it as a message to say, we need to do something differently here, or we need to reframe this or put in a different strategy in place and try and meet that feeling with like as a reframe it in a, this is telling me something that I need to learn as opposed to this is telling me something that I need to control. Yes. Um, so a long one, <laughs> but um, I know a lot of bikini athletes, bodybuilders take a year out after being on constantly low calories to sort out their metabolism. But what does this mean? I know when you lose weight, your body gets more efficient, i.e. running a 5K would burn less calories eight weeks into your fat loss stage than it would at the start. So is your body just getting less efficient when you increase calories and sort your metabolism or is there other stuff going on? Only ask out of curiosity. Good knowledge, first mm -hmm. of all. Um, basically, yes. Um, so what happens... People that say they're fixing their metabolism are, are don't know what they're doing when they say they're fixing their metabolism in general. Um, so it's basically the opposite of metabolic adaptation. So metabolic adaptation, when you diet, you get more efficient, like this person has so eloquently said. You get lighter, and so you use fewer calories day to day at rest. Your BMR goes down just because you're lighter. And you also drop body fat, and body fat is the main storage and release site of leptin. And leptin is a hormone that causes us to, that reduces our hunger. And so that helps to regulate our body weight. So if you gain a little bit of body weight, then you have more leptin, which has an appetite suppressing effect. And if you lose some body fat, then your leptin levels go down. And so you get more hungrier as a biological drive to eat to get yourself back to, quote unquote, a healthy kind of settling range, so to speak. And so, um, and we also get changes in ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone that is more short term. So that's the hormone that's responsible for like stomach grumbling. And so when you diet, you get a reduction in body fat. So you get an increase, a reduction in leptin. So you get an increase in hunger. You get increased ghrelin levels from not eating very much. You're lighter and you're more efficient. And so when you take time off, usually the, the metabolic fixing or whatever it is that they call it is just you're getting heavier. So your BMR is going up. You will become less efficient because your cardio will go down and you will 
you know, you you will expend less energy, but you will just be less efficient because you're doing different things with your body and not as much, basically not as much cardio. Um, and your body is not trying to preserve that. Um, your leptin levels will start to come up with your body fat. And so your hunger will be regulated somewhat and your ghrelin will be regulated again. And that's that's really all it is. I think some bikini athletes say that too because they've been taking certain um, um, supplements, um, illegal supplements that do impact your metabolism and can, and, and I've seen this a lot with bikini athletes who have taken um, certain things and then they finish competing and then they come off them and they gain a lot of weight really fast because they've done something to their thyroid, um, their, like their baseline thyroid levels. And so they need time off to regulate that as well. And so that can happen from that. And I definitely have seen that a lot. So um, that's also why I think. Yeah, all the fun, <laughs> all the fun. But equally, a lot of people, metab not related to metabolism, but when they take a year out, it's because they know that they need to make necessary changes as well. Yeah, and I think most bikini athletes should take a year off. Like, yeah, and not enough do yeah and i and i don't enforce that i wouldn't enforce that on people but yeah i think the best thing that most people can do if they're they've come from a relatively lean place is, is spend at least a year building muscle it's just that nobody yeah. wants to do that <laughs> exactly <laughs> um okay so this client has just finished we've been working together for a long time in this Quite emotional um she said i'm very grateful to Maria and the team for this last year i started the journey with hope to stop binge eating learn to diet better and get control of my body weight i ended up not knowing my body weight and not tracking my food befriending my body and way happier and more content do you have any farewell tips such as how to stay accountable to myself with no regular check-ins how not to slip back to body negativity oh that's awesome <laughs> and also she said um i've, I've written this because i was going to ask you about it because i don't know if you know this or not but do you, are there any apps or anything that you can use that are good for like checking off habits i felt like if anyone would know that you would know that <laughs> what are you trying to say um, <laughs> um i'll have to get back to you because i know one of my clients uses a habit tracker herself but I can't think off the top of my head what it is called truthfully and I kind of felt the same way when we finished because <laughs> I was like even though I don't I don't know what we'd become by that point because we weren't like nutrition or training it was just it was just me grooming <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there's still that feeling of well this is it and who am I going to talk to each week um and like you said you want to make sure that you keep on doing all the work but um and knowing obviously that she's finished with you she's going to be in a fantastic place so I think chances are she's going to do she'll be able to call herself out when if she noticed anything slipping um and it's just keeping on top of all the habits that are actually helping you um I mean, I'm a big fan of the happiness planner because it's got those prompts with affirmations and I think it's got a proud of one as well, which obviously we've got in our section in our check ins. Um, but yeah, just 
just kind of keeping yourself accountable in that sort of way I think yeah I agree and I think like you can even set aside some time like you would normally check in with me and, and set that side of time that side that tie time aside well, that was a really a hard one to get out um but put that time aside and sit down for 10 minutes and say right okay well what what have I done this week and what haven't I done and I think I think it can be really scary when anyone's finished up but the way that the way that we work with clients is that you come to us looking to us for guidance and you put you put your sense of trust into us and you look to us to tell you what to do right but then what we hope, and I know that this person is here because of the work that she's done, is that we hope that when you finish with us, you are looking to yourself because you know that that's all in you. It was there all along. We just make sure that you know you can find it again. And so when you finish, we want, like, I know you, you are in the place where you can say, you don't need me to tell you this stuff. Like, you've got that ingrained in you and you just need to trust yourself that it's there. But like you said, making sure that you're, that you're, doing all your habits um it's really important and I think like there are times when we'll slip up on our habits and you know mid 2020 when I was I was crawling under the sofa and like wanting to die like there were times that I was like and I knew what I knew what I was doing I was like I'm not mind I'm not eating mindfully and I don't I don't set a timer for when I eat now I eat in front of the tv sometimes all of this stuff but whenever I had a wobble I'll say these are the things that I need to do and it's the same things I say to clients the same things you say to clients like I need to be more intentional with my meditation it needs to be not just before bed but I need to sit and do it and light my sage and I need to stop eating in front of the tv for a week and you know it's just about noticing these are a few these are a few red flags for me that are coming up okay there's a reason for this now what would Amelia say she'd say look back at what I've been doing am I doing non-negotiables and I think making sure that you're keeping your boundaries as well like it's so easy to forget how important you are sometimes and you know having a coach I think reminds you how important you are and how much you achieve and I think sometimes when you don't have a coach anymore we have to tell ourselves how important we are and we have to have those conversations with ourselves and it's very unnatural but it becomes more natural the more you do it and only if you're having those conversations with yourself can you set those boundaries that say this is what I need and this person is really busy and a mom and does everything so it's even more important that she keeps those in place I think um oh I've been asked to take my weight for the doctor's pill check but I really don't want to get on the scales and it trigger bad feelings after being in a better place how should I tackle this oh great question I was at the doctor's the other day and tried to take my scale weight and I was like, oh, I've not seen this in a few years. Yeah. Scales didn't work. So I was like, oh, I'll just guess. It's probably yeah. about this. And she believed me. <laughs> okay. I've got no idea. Um, I would say don't look. Mm. I've been in this situation before, actually, years and years ago. And you could just stand on them and just say, I'm, I'd rather not look because I'm working on like Go in, go in and say, I'd rather not look at this because or know my weight because I'm working on my relationship with food or I'm working with a nutritionist. Um and the doctor I'm sure will understand that especially if you say like you're working with a nutritionist to to support your health just don't look and there's no shame in that at all if anything they'll be like fine I respect your boundaries like mm -hmm. great um if you really don't want to tell the doctor then you can just go in and just literally just genuinely not look and I think keeping a rational mind that your weight in the middle of the day is really unhelpful at the best of times like we know 
it fluctuates so much so even if you did see it kind of I, I kind of look at it like these are different scales from the last time I weighed myself I've eaten and drunk coffee this morning and water this morning I've trained all of these things which can make it change so much but ideally yeah just don't I would just say don't look yeah absolutely um okay this is a food food suggestion oh I've just deleted it oh goodness me what am I doing with myself today um fat fingers right any suggestions for sweet, high protein snacks you love apart from Halo Top, Phage, or Phage, or Phage, or protein bars? High protein, sweet, pro- high protein snacks. Mm. <laughs> They're literally my go tos all the time. <laughs> Me too. Cottage cheese with pineapple. I know some people like that. Do you know? I don't include really myself in that. But. There is one I kept from prep but I genuinely really enjoy it and it's um frozen banana like blended with whey so it is like ice cream but then I also think it's like one of my five a day which I don't always get in so (laughs) that sounds good actually very very nice I used Uh, to make um frozen banana mashed up into ice cream with like chocolate chips like an ice cream that was always quite nice um I've I've just never really gotten on board with like you know the protein baking and stuff like that. Yeah. I've never got on board with that, so I'm very boring, and I'd much rather just have the normal sweet stuff with a protein shake on the side if needs be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of if, if there's anything else. I know that I like was... pancakes. Oh, I've yeah, seen a lot maybe. of people do that, but again, that's right. like diet hacks, and I don't know if yeah. that's necessary. I think I used to do that and then I look back and think mm. um I know that when I was dieting I used to make um like the jellies the sugar-free jellies and then put beige on top and then like um, maybe mix it with whey or whatever so it's kind of like a trifle almost not but like <laughs> a blancmange yeah kind of <laughs> like that oh my ex used to do that I think he used to mix that jelly with beige whatever and it was like a blancmange and it was really nice Mm-hmm. Um, I think you put on one of your question boxes like the worst prep hacks that you've done <laughs> <laughs> you know when you look back you're like why did I eat this because one of them used to be avocado mixed with whey mm. yeah wow those are nice um hard to say <laughs> I've not tried it <laughs> since <laughs> uh, at the time I'd have eaten anything so <laughs> you're dead yeah it is funny some of the stuff some of the stuff that you eat and like you said we don't really share like diet hacks so much anymore because it's not really our go-to but date like dairy is dairy is great like zero percent dairy for dieting is is Mm. awesome you can mix it with so many different things on your mug cakes of course as well what about those oh yeah a scoop of whey a sc- oh do you know what I discovered the other day I rediscovered when I used to when the very first time I did it I competed this was years and years and years ago I used to when I was in my PhD office I had two squares of chocolate with a scoop of whey so I'd make a mug cake with the whey and um, just some water and put it in the microwave for 20 seconds and then I would get the two squares of dark chocolate and put them in a protein scoop and put them in the microwave and you burn them a little bit and they turn to like brownie taste oh and then the other day I had run out of caramel and I was like 
oh, I've only got blue and lint. And then I just had this, this <laughs> recollection of this. And it did still taste a little bit like brownie. It wasn't just like a diet thing. It actually <laughs> was quite nice. Uh, where are we? Um, when people make comments about your weight or say something that makes you feel uncomfortable, how can you respond? I'm so polite that I just end up agreeing and then crying about it later. <sighs> yeah, this, this this client, I'm not going to go into all of it, but she had a really uncomfortable situation with a photographer that photographed her in the past after prepping for a photo shoot and isn't that lean anymore. And yeah had to deal with some negative comments i've heard of some fitness photographers that are like that it's yeah. absolutely horrific uh, it makes me my skin crawl um weirdly i had this discussion with one of my clients recently because she had that discussion with someone she she was kind of just like she stood up to her and she's just like this is why this doesn't make me feel good or this is why i don't ex accept you speaking to me like this and if you're going to do that then we won't have this conversation anymore and then the woman was like oh okay fair and then stopped it is really hard because it, you feel that you are putting yourself out there to have that conversation and it's really scary to to have that and I'd like obviously in an ideal world I would really encourage you to try to try and think about well what could you say in advance like come up with a statement that says something like um, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't comment on my body something as simple as that and almost drill it into your head and practice it in your head and then when the situation does arise you've got it there you will sweat you'll go probably go red and welcome to this is this is life this is what we do and you say I really appreciate it if you didn't comment on my body and that's all and, and and just see because the reason I'm so encouraging all of this is because if you do that and this person says um I apologize or okay noted you will feel so empowered and you will never have this fear again because you will always feel that you can say that because you've done it and that's why like I kind of I really do encourage that the other option is literally that you can change the subject so if someone comments just change the subject so if she says something about oh you're not as lean as you were like oh it's nice weather today and it sounds so stupid. I actually saw that on a on Instagram recently, weirdly. Someone was like, this is the thing you can do if someone comments on your body. I can't remember what whose post it was. And it was like, just change the subject. And what, what can they possibly do? They're not going to bring it back to your body. And if they do, just change the subject again. The only person that should feel awkward in that situation is the person that's so intent on commenting on your body. Um, so that's, that's your other option. Or you can literally just... I mean, this might make you feel more awkward, but you can just not have the conversation. You can just leave, change rooms or go somewhere else. I'm trying to think, like, when I used to compete and when I worked in an office, well, in the, when I was a lecturer, and people in the staff room that I didn't know very well would always comment on if I was bigger or whatever. And they, But they, I always knew their intent with it. Um, and sometimes I would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm not dieting right now. And it was fine because I didn't, like, obviously it doesn't bother me. But then other times... I would say I would genuinely just change subject I'd be like yeah and so and then you just kind of nod 
and it's the it's the subsequent thinking about it that's often causing the harm as opposed to the actual time itself like if you're mulling it over for ages and that's potentially what's actually triggering you more and so then you need to start working on like okay how am I going to stop these thoughts or like stop giving attention to these thoughts that are coming out of that statement mm -hmm. I have nothing to add but I will say she handled it like an absolute pro so <laughs> good good isn't it funny it's just yeah that patriarchy I have to say my voice note to her was full of many many curse words <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's necessary mm. um okay tips on feeling anxious about going back into the gym environment after being away for what feels like forever um, yeah i think a there's absolutely no rush um and you go back when you're well, I suppose it, it depends what you're feeling anxious about. If you, if obviously it's about COVID, then yeah, you don't rush it. Um, go back when you feel comfortable. Um, I mean, obviously we've we've got a lot of stuff to support the fact that the gyms are really safe place to be right now, um, and hopefully that helps. Um, but if it's anxiety around the actual training itself, your body's going to get used to it. You just have to be a bit kind for the first few weeks getting back. Yeah, I got dead cocky because I was on the first day, I, was, I went super light. And then, then I had no doms the next day or then the next day. And then today, I think that I still <laughs> like, my, do you know what is for me? Because I've been training glutes and hams kind of at home, but I haven't really been able to train quads. My quads that I feel hammered, like my glutes and hams are kind of fine um doms wise anyway but my quads are like nope <laughs> I kid um I, i'm dreading it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll laugh at you when it's your turn <laughs> um yeah i mean i agree read the covid stuff totally agree i think if you're like you said really important to figure out what you're anxious about and obviously we don't know but if it's if it's like your strength going down, do you know what? I, I didn't post this and this is not relevant, I don't think to this client, but I didn't post this on Instagram because I thought that's maybe not the most compassionate thing, but maybe it is. Like your strength has gone down. I, like, and what? Like, this is not this client, but like so many people are worried about, oh, I'm worried that I'm not going to be as strong as I was before. No, of course you're not. Of course you're not. This is the beauty of our bodies can are so fluid and are changing all the time. And that's, like that's a phenomenal thing that our bodies can do and are capable of doing so of course we're going to get weaker and of course we've probably lost a bit of muscle and god I took a picture in the gym the other day and I compared it I didn't obviously it's not it wasn't for public viewing and I was just like oh my word my arse has got a lot smaller and my body has really changed and like it was fine it was all I did and then I I was like well okay we'll move on because that's not my focus but it's it's kind of like factual like it, of course we're all weaker of course probably most of us have lost muscle some of us have probably gained some weight some of us might have lost some weight and it's like it, like it is what it is and there's no more compassionate way to say it um I think as well like some of the questions that I've had on Instagram are like um I'm worried about I'm anxious about like my body having changed and it's like we don't even remember what our own bodies were like when we used to train 
Like, I don't know. I, you have such a funny perception of your body that you, there's no way that you could say the last time I was in the gym, I looked this way objectively because we, we don't know what we look like then. I certainly don't. And the only reason I looked at that picture was because I was like, oh, okay. But that's the only reason I knew. Um, you think that anyone else has even the slightest inkling that you've changed? Mm, I'm going to say no. And if they have, then you can obviously use that boundary question from before. But nobody will know. Nobody knows what you lifted either. Nobody cares what you lift. I don't think anyone in my entire life has asked me like, what I lift, apart from when I was doing strength training with a coach. No, no, I don't think any, like, it's completely irrelevant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, you've got to do what you need to do to build muscle if that's your goal, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, I understand Which that. Which it's going to be about five kilos. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for you to go back. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally understand. Everyone's feeling a bit like, oh, I feel that about going for drinks and stuff, but that's, but that's just because it's something... You have to identify what the anxiety is, like you said. Um, is it harder to put muscle on as you get older? This is from a client that's possibly experiencing premenopause symptoms. Mm. At perimenopause, when you're perimenopausal, yes, it can be more challenging to build muscle. Um, what happens is, you um get slight as we get older like i mean like postmenopausal we develop a blunted anabolic response to stimulus so to protein to weight training the anabolic response to these things that we get which is the like the protein synthesis response is blunted so we often need more protein and actually when we look at the evidence around like older people um again i'm talking postmenopausal i'm talking actually over the age of say 60 so a bit quite a bit further on um often when we look at the research actually where we would say for a younger person maybe 25 grams of protein is optimal for an older person we might say 40 grams is optimal because of that blood anabolic response so that ha that starts to happen as we get older um but also with when you're perimenopausal as you get you start to get a reduction in your estrogen levels and actually by once you've gone through menopause and postmenopausal, your estrogen levels are dropped to what's similar to what we would find in um, in some males. So an estrogen is anabolic and it supports muscle mass. It supports uh, muscle mass maintenance and um, muscle protein synthesis. So it can also be difficult. And on top of that, if you're perimenopausal, often sleep can be impacted, and so your training can be impacted. Your neat levels can be impacted. Um, your intensity might go down and also you might find that maybe it's a bit harder to stick to your nutrition because you're tired and you're hungry so this is a really key time to prioritize your sleep if you can make sure you're getting enough protein if you can and optimize your training so maybe figure out when the best time for you to train is in terms of your intensity maybe in the morning have a good solid meal before you train and train well and make sure you get I would say ideally in an ideal world let's go up to 40 grams after training just not it, at this point it's probably not necessary but it's potentially optimal so why not why not just do it mm -hmm. I knew you'd have the answer <laughs> <laughs> but it's totally doable like you know you're not going to wake up one day and lose all your muscle you can still gain muscle you we just have to be a bit more intentional with it is all 
I'd also say, I know I've said to follow Adele before, but when she's changed her Instagram name and she's called Adele Johnson now, isn't she, on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. And she's she is doing a lot of great um, relatable stuff in regards to menopause at the moment in terms of her content. So I would recommend following her. Absolutely. Um, okay. How do you learn to open up to others? I find when things get tough I feel alone and I can't turn to anyone I feel others have their own problems they don't have time to listen to me and it's not important enough etc oh hello friend (laughs) (laughs) Uh, challenge that narrative because that's you not thinking that you're worthy or valuable enough of their time um yes everybody's got their own stuff going on but that doesn't mean that your problems aren't big enough to to talk through with someone and I think sometimes it it can be good maybe to check in with them if they if they're able to if you're able to have that discussion beforehand and just say um have you got time to talk things through with me I'm struggling with and if they're not if they if they if they've got stuff on whether that's their own problems or they're just simply too busy then you've still put it out there they know and chances are when they've got free time they'll come back to you that was such I was just just reeling in that answer like oh, yeah <laughs> I'm here for that Um, absolutely I completely agree I think you're hitting the nail on the head it's like you're not worthy of their time and I think the other narrative that might be at play potentially we don't obviously know is that you think that um, you have to portray a certain visual of perfection of being perfect perfect and having your quote quote shit together and being especially if you're an independent woman I think you and again hi friend also you want to give off this idea that you've got all your shit together because that's that's your identity is this person that's got all their shit together but having your shit together weirdly I spoke about this with Emma recently because we were having a bit of a debate on it and about how vulnerable coaches should be and stuff and she said oh I like a coach that has their shit together and I was like for me a coach that has their shit together is a coach that says I'm struggling sometimes or is a coach that has feelings like that shows to me that they've got their shit together it shows that they're not in denial and it shows that they're not in a state of toxic positivity and they are in touch with how they feel that's that's what having your shit together looks like and when you have this idea in your head that having your shit together is perfect positive and not not worrying anyone or not asking for help it's when you stop that's when you find it really difficult to ask for help and I remember reading a a book once and it was talking about the shame the shame of being needy and the example was when you if you see somebody who is homeless and you give them money or you give them food do you do you give them money and give them food and walk away or do you say hi like what can I help like here's a coffee how's your day and so often we are so quick to shy away from that conversation we feel embarrassed 
we feel embarrassed to have a conversation with someone and to give them a sandwich because we have this internalized shame of need of being needy and that was stung to me because I, I heard this quite many years ago when I really did have this shame about being needy and I refused to do it and I was like god that that's me I'm so scared to need someone that I feel ashamed that there's neediness around me and I'm and I'm around it even though I want to help someone and it's like think about yourself in the situation you want to help people and that's why you might be ha- like having this conversation with someone in the street and, and and giving him a sandwich or her sandwich and having this conversation that you want to help people so why if you are somebody who wants to help people why are you any different in terms of other people want to help you too you're no you're not an exception to the rule and then it comes down to what you were saying about self-worth well everyone else is worthy of neediness but I'm not Um, I'm still curious about how to navigate saying no to foods that you genuinely don't want to eat i.e when everyone at work is having donuts in the break room how do you say no without making it seem like you're dieting usually I don't want the thing or would rather have another thing instead or somehow make the other people feel guilty for eating it am I overthinking everything (laughs) (laughs) well you know Um, well that's why we're here right I would say who cares if they think you're dieting and who cares if they feel guilty why are you putting their needs above your own you your needs are your most important priority um and if they perceive you to diet what they think of you is none of your business and I know we've said that before but whilst you whilst you make your decisions based on what they think um and what they feel you are saying you are worth more than me and that's not how we will we know that we're worth the most in our lives we are the most important person um um so keeping that in mind you can say right well this is a decision that's most important to me and this is more important than their egos because they feel bad because they're eating a donut like that's their issue and you don't have to defend it and sometimes chances are they're not even going to notice anyway or care they're just going to do what they're going to do and if they want the donut it's because they know it's tasty and (laughs) that's it no more to it really sometimes so much that I think when you're someone who spends so much time thinking about food you think about what other people are doing but you forget that actually most people are not thinking about what you're doing some people are that's human nature um okay it would be good to have some general advice on how to deal with nutrition when suffering from morning sickness. In both pregnancies, I had bad nausea a lot of the day and could only face really bland and stodgy, non-nutritious food. This resulted in a lot of guilt around putting weight on and not being quote-unquote good to myself, even though I was just surviving. Um, do what you can. <laughs> right from obviously not from personal experience but from friends or clients that have it doesn't last forever so if it is a crappy first trimester it's 12 weeks if you can prioritize where you can getting some protein and getting some fruit and veg in brilliant but truthfully try not to stress about it yeah 
I mean, I, I mean, I agree. And on, we're actually working on some body image stuff. So that's going to be really helpful. Um, yeah, I would say, like, I think some of the guilt comes from, again, having, like, not being hugely neutral with your food intake, food sources and still thinking, for example, having that guilt around eating only carbs. Like, carbs to you in your first trimester are probably the opposite of a bad food. They're probably a good food because they're keeping helping you keep your food down. They're helping you keep your nutrients, any nutrients that you can ingest in your body. This is a good thing. Um, so if anything, we don't we don't have halo foods, but if anything, carbs for you are, are a good thing at this point. Um, and that's probably potentially the only thing and that's going to help at this point. And that's fine. And just because you've had bad morning sickness in one pregnancy doesn't mean that you're going to have it in another. And that's also important to remember um so everyone knows I've got some personal experience with this and I think things like for me personally like I couldn't stomach anything other than crumpets and cereal um so things like I used to do things like mix whey with water and have it as cereal or mix whey with milk that's quite good and have it with cereal um or like smoothies where I just blend up as much greens as I could and fruit into a whey smoothie. Like that type of thing can be can be helpful. Um, trying to not try and not eat the same foods that you had beforehand if if you're feeling sick. Like listen to your body and think, okay, if I, if it's an egg sandwich that I want, I'm going to eat an egg sandwich. It's not something you might have eaten for ages, but the carbs in it will be great and there's some protein in there I think be really really open with your food sources and try not to go for something that you think is quote-unquote good but go for something that you think oh that I could stomach that protein so I'm going to have that and then I'll have it with my carbs and you know what you'll survive without having tons of fruits and vegetables but blending them can be can be helpful and disguising them like so this person this client has a um another child so I'm sure she's very comfortable with hiding vegetables and things and Use some of those tactics on yourself to some degree. If, if there's any opportunity that you think, oh, I could stomach that, something quote unquote nutritious, take it. Otherwise, just like you said, Anna, it's short term. Accept it short term and know that in your second trimester it will be easier and we can you can change then. And maybe follow Danny as well, because I am really enjoying watching her. <laughs> She's yeah. just so honest about everything she's good yeah she's um free fanny on instagram um danny yeah danny has been really she's been really open because she's had struggles with pregnancy and now when she told me she was pregnant i cried <laughs> <laughs> i honestly did a little like happy dance I was like, oh, amazing finally yeah it's great isn't it um but yeah she's she's doing some great stuff agreed mm. um have you guys got any advice for staying calm when someone else cooks for you? It makes me really anxious knowing I can't control portions or calories. Um, how to start believing in yourself more and believing you can achieve your goals? Uh, one big, two, two questions in one big box. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, anxiety around other people cooking. I would say they are doing a really nice thing for you and you're already starting to eat mindfully and to learn to listen to hunger and fullness signals 
So listen to your body, enjoy the foods and stop when you feel satisfied because chances are if they are using different things uh, that you'd maybe use in that meal, you're actually going to feel more satisfied from it because it's probably going to be a lot tastier. Um, so try not to stress about it and just enjoy the fact that someone else is cooking for you. God yeah. knows I want that. <laughs> <laughs> so much that. I agree. And it's like, and also think about, um, like, say, for example, so someone I used to get when I didn't have a great relationship with food a long time ago was if, like, someone would use olive oil instead of, like, I would use fry light, for example, which now, obviously, I would always use olive oil. But I remember being like, oh, like, I can't control that. But it's like, for example, olive oil is so good for you. Like, the essential fats in that are so great. And when you when someone else is cooking for you, think of those foods that you don't normally eat, that the nutrients that you're missing out on because you don't normally eat them. Well, of all, is obviously just an example. Even if it's just different vegetables or a different whole grain source or different fat source, like that's amazing. You've not had those foods in your diet for ages. Like your body is like, yes, come at me. Variety of nutrients. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the mindfulness stuff is so important because we, once you start to trust yourself that you can eat mindfully it really doesn't matter what's on the plate in front of you like it really doesn't matter because you will eat until you're satisfied and and that's fine and it doesn't matter how much that is for you if you feel satisfied then that's great um it doesn't yeah it doesn't matter wh what the food is or or where it's come from unless it tastes crap mm -hmm. and what was the thing about that question how to start believing in yourself more and believing you can achieve your goals you can achieve your goals <laughs> and <done>. manifested <laughs> yeah oh god yeah um self-talk is really important manifesting well not go down that road but self-talk is really important you have to identify through like working on yourself what are these inherent beliefs that you have about yourself? So if you think that you're not going to achieve something, I think being pragmatic about it can be helpful. What happens if you say, I'm not going to achieve something? If you say to a child, right, you're going to school today and school sports day, but you're not, you're not going to win. So you're not going to win any of your races, but you're going to go into sports day anyway. How is that child going to run in those races and all of those other things? And then... If you have the same child and you say you're going to go into sports day and you are going to ace it, like you've got this, go for it, you can do this. How do you think they're going to run that race in the rest of their sports day? And I know that's really, really simplified, right? Because we have these core beliefs that are so deeply ingrained in us over years and years and years that they take work. They really do take work to figure out where they came from and how we can change these narratives. But it, the, the most surface level stuff starts with you. And it starts with you doing your homework, your daily homework on your thought patterns and your beliefs and your self-talk. Um, Anna can only say so many times, you're like, you are worth this. You've got this. And I'm sure every week she's like, highlights all the stuff that you've done really well. But you need to internalize these wins. You need to celebrate these wins that Anna highlights to you and that you see yourself every day when you do something and you win at something, however small it is, you say, I, I did that. That's my evidence to show that I can do that. And that that is against my core belief that I can't do that. And when you have these conversations in your head that say, 
I'm not good enough, so I'm just not going to do it. Question it. Why? What would happen if I said to myself, I could do this? The same as if you go for a job and, and you think I'm not going to get the job and you say, and you, go in, you just won't even apply because you think you can't do it. And then that just confirms your belief that you can't do it. You need to stop giving yourself evidence to support your core belief that you can and find start finding evidence that supports that you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why you've got the, the things that you need to, that you list that you're proud of because they are there even when you have to think really hard. And some weeks people, I'm sure you get the same in that they have to, you might get them that they're like, I, I didn't actually realise until I got to this, but I've done this, this and this, and that's awesome. And it is. And I think as well, the fact that you've already reached out and asked for help is a big sign that you want to make these changes. And so you just need to ensure that you're going to keep on working to to achieve what you want to set out to do. Yeah, I agree. I think people that come to work with us, like I have so much respect because they know that they have to do the work. And that's the hardest part, I think, and sticking with it. Um, it gets easier, obviously, as time goes on. But especially for some people that have done the same thing for so long and then they come to us and we're like right we're going to do something completely different mm. it's it's makes you go all sorts of like oh my god and freak out but you like you can um okay i think we've got time for maybe one more question before brain dead kicks in um okay I would love to hear you discuss if when strategies on the podcast, if possible, how to develop them, identify when we need them and also actually enforce them. Thank you. You're welcome. I love these ones. <laughs> <laughs> Go wild, Anna. Go wild. Um, I think if when are really useful when it's an emotional response. So if you can identify the triggers that are causing you to want to reach for food, the feelings, the emotions, make a list of those because we all know that I like a list. <laughs> really? <laughs> and then next to them have the things that you that are actually going to help you for each of those ones. So if you're feeling stressed, what's going to be more useful to you right then is reaching for a bar of dairy milk, going to make you feel better potentially but long term is it actually going to help or is taking five minutes to do a meditation or some breath work going to help you a bit more um and then just having those strategies so you know that you've got those plans in place maybe have a list on your phone um and when you get that urge to eat you've got something to refer back to and also something that some of my clients do is they notice what the craving is when uh, and link it to the feeling. So obviously when it's an emotional hunger, it tends to be for a specific kind of food. Um, so again, I'm gonna go back to feeling stressed and you might want something crunchy like crisps. And even if you don't make that link straight away that you're feeling stressed, but you're wanting crisps, then you've got something to refer back to. You go, oh, right, this is what I need to do. Oh, I love that. It's like reversing. Again, it's like oh, circled right back to the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's like using that that feeling as a trigger for, not, not the feeling, but the craving 
to signal your signpost you to what you're feeling. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think so. I spoke about one of these studies. It was a study that came out last year. It was published last year. That used implementation intentions in um, Benji time. And they did the emotional implementations like Anna was just talking about. And they did the uh, they did behavioral, implement, behavioral implementations. So things like if I'm home alone and if that's a common trigger for you, then I will then I will phone my mum or, or something. And so they and both were effective. So both the emotional implementation intention and the behavioral. And like you said, writing them out in advance identifying your triggers in advance and writing them down is so important and then actually as well what's really helpful and can be really crucial in this is to actually visualize yourself going through that scenario so say for example it was a behavioral one and it was and you often find that you overeat when you're home alone and you can say if I'm home alone then I will call my mum and so sit with it for a couple minutes once you've written it down so you don't want to have a huge list of these and then like feel overwhelmed you want to be able to remember them and sit with it and, and close your eyes and imagine your partner or somebody your housemate leaving the house and imagine yourself sitting there on your own and imagine yourself thinking I'm going to want to eat now and then imagine yourself picking up the phone and phoning your mum and having a bit of a conversation really breathe in and when I say breathe in I say this quite a lot when I'm talking about gratitude and things like that I really mean when you close your eyes, visualize yourself breathing in the words that you're using and visualize the words going through your blood, going through your lungs, all the way to your fingers and all the way to your toes. That's what breathing it feels like. So it's all encompassing and that's you feel it throughout your whole body. Um, and breathe out and then repeat that visualization three times and then crack on with your day. And then when it comes up, refer back to your list and say, this is what I was going to do. Or you might have remembered it by then if you've only got a couple, which is which is great. And then walk yourself through just exactly like you did in your mind. Walk yourself through that. Um, yeah, they can be very helpful. Indeed. I'm going to finish on a very light-hearted one. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, this is a question that causes many family fallouts. Snog, marry, avoid, mm -hmm. galaxy, Mars bar, or dairy milk. <laughs> oh, oh. Marry, avoid, galaxy, dairy milk, or what? Mars, Mars bar. Okay, Mars has been avoided, let's be honest. <laughs> marry, dairy milk, snog, galaxy. I'm going to have to agree. Uh, you just can't beat dairy milk. Agree. You just can't. It's just a classic in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. No <laughs> questions. Galaxy <laughs> like, is good, but long term, it's dairy milk. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Although, let's be honest, us two agree and doesn't really say a lot, does it? Whenever no. chasing, very <laughs> <laughs> What you're on about? Anyway, thanks, thanks everyone for your questions, and we appreciate them keep them coming to your coaches keep them coming to um the facebook post and we appreciate them and love them so thank you everyone thanks anna thank you bye bye bye